Welcome to our FLC audio broadcast. We believe today's word will empower you to lead a strong life. Now, let's begin and get ready for this week's inspiring message. Well, who's ready for the word this morning? Anybody? Uh, let's look at our Bibles. We're going to continue talking today about pathology, talking about finding our way, finding our way in life, finding the way, the right way. And the past few weeks, we've talked about a couple paths. Last week, we talked about the directed path. We talked about the fact that when we acknowledge God and all that we do, and we lean on Him, and not just our own understanding, that He directs our paths. We talked about uh, the fact that we have a tour guide in life, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, this tour guide actually knows the way around every obstacle, knows what's around every corner, knows the best path to take in life. And so when we follow the leading of our tour guide, the Holy Spirit, He will direct our paths. And so today, I want to talk about a new path. And uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there. Hebrews, in chap Hebrews chapter 10. You know, there are moments in our lives when we are doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. But it seems to be taking forever to work out. Anybody ever felt like that? It seems like it's been, it takes for, forever. And so what I'd like to do real quickly is I'd like to kind of try, if I could, just real briefly define forever, okay? So I'm going to define forever real quick. And Anybody besides me feel like that feels like forever? That's about 30 seconds, okay? That's about 30 seconds. Isn't it amazing how long time can seem? It is absolutely just amazing to me how long it can seem that time takes sometimes. In our culture, we've kind of redefined forever in terms that I would uh, tend to say are not necessarily truly uh, definitive of forever. So you think about it this way. If you're more than four people back, in the checkout line, that's likely forever, isn't it? Yeah, this is going to be forever. If it takes more than 20 minutes for you to get your food at a restaurant, most people would say, wow, this is taking forever. Isn't it interesting how we've defined forever? Now, now here's a phrase you might be familiar with, you might not be familiar with. I've heard this on several occasions from different people. Uh, have you ever heard anybody say, wow, this is taking forever and a day, forever and a day. That's a long time. Because in my, in my mind, I'm trying to think, okay, when's that day ever going to start, right? Forever and then tack on a day. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times we already feel like in our lives that most of all what we need more than anything else when we're trying to endure in a situation, when we're trying to just press through a moment, Sometimes we feel like what we need more than anything else is for it to just be done already. Anybody ever felt like that? Just, could it just work out? Could it just be done already? And we feel like that's what we need. But I want to show you what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 says that we need. Anybody interested in seeing what the Word of God says that we need today? 
Hebrews 10, 36 says this, that patient endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Now, what I want you to understand is that Hebrews 10, 36 is a salvation context scripture. What does that mean? That means that Hebrews 10, 36 was written around the idea of salvation. In other words, he's, he's showing us here in Hebrews, he's saying, look, it's one thing to get saved. It's another thing to endure until the end. It's one thing to believe now, but it's another thing to believe then until the end. And so in verses 37, 38, which I won't read, I'll just refer to real quickly. In verses 37 and 38, uh, it says that if we draw back, that God has no pleasure in us. If we, if we stop believing, if we give up, if we quit, then God has no pleasure in us. But if we'll continue on, it goes on to say that the righteous, the just, live by faith. What is faith? Continuing to believe. Do you see this? So what's the Bible teaches? It says, look, you can believe, but that's not all there is to the story. You've got to keep believing. And then when you wake up tomorrow, you've got to keep believing. And when you go to lunch today, you've got to keep believing. And when you sit down with your friends at dinner, you've got to keep believing. And when the pain is still there at the end of the day, you've got to are you seeing this? And so he talks about you need, what you need is not just for it to hurry up and get done already. What you need is patient endurance. Patient endurance. In verse 39 in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39, because, you know, there's a natural tendency for us to draw back when things get tough. It's a natural tendency. And, and, and especially if it starts taking longer than we expect, there's a natural tendency to want to draw back. And, and what we find is that in these moments when things don't seem to be working out, that's when we want to give up. It gets tough. It's taking longer than we expected. And it doesn't seem to be working out. And it causes us to want to quit. Has anybody ever been there? Maybe you're there right now in your life. Maybe you're walking through a moment in your life, a situation in your reality where that's how you feel. I just want to quit. It's taking too long. Taking longer than I expected. It doesn't seem to be working out. I just want to give up on it. But Hebrews 10.36 says, what we need is patient endurance. And I love what verse 39 says in Hebrews chapter 10.39 says this. But we are not. Everybody say, I am not. But we are not those who draw back. Those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We're not going to give up, are we, church? We're not turning back, are we? Look at somebody that's telling us, I'm not turning back. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones. Everybody say, I'm the faithful one. I'm the faithful one. You're the faithful one. We're the faithful one. What, does it ha what happens? Whose souls will be saved. What do you need today? You need patient endurance and so you know a, a lot of times when we're on the path of doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time what we need is just the will to keep doing the right thing at the right time 
for the right reasons. We just need the will to just keep getting up tomorrow and doing the right thing, to keep making the right choice, to keep saying the right things, to keep believing the right stuff. We need to, by definition, endure. Everybody say endure. So today I want to talk to you about the path of endurance, the path of endurance and what we have to do to keep moving forward when we find ourselves on the path of endurance. There are two things that I want to show you today about the path of endurance, what you have to do if you want to keep moving forward on the path of endurance. And the first thing is that we have to build strong relationships. We have to build strong relationships. We talked several weeks ago, I talked about the fact that we're not on this path alone. That one of the things we know about every path that we're ever on in life is that there are other people on that path with us. Some ahead of us, some behind us, some right beside us, but we're never alone. The Bible says there's nothing that we experience, but all of it's common to man. And with every path that we get on, God will make a way that we can endure the path. And so if you find yourself today on a path of endurance, having to just keep believing, keep believing, you need to build strong relationships. Now notice there's a key word here. That key word is strong. Strong relationships. Not just any relationship will do when you're on the path of endurance. Not just every relationship is the kind of relationship that will help to keep you upbeat and excited and moving forward when you're on the path of endurance. There are relationships when you're on the path of endurance. There are relationships that will drag you off the path. They will sidetrack you. They will stop you dead in your tracks. Those relationships you want to avoid. You want to avoid people who speak negatively when you're on the path of endurance. You want to avoid people who only want to tell you horror stories when you're on the path of endurance. When you're in the recovery room at the hospital, you don't want people coming in and telling you about all the people they know that died from the thing that you just got done going through. Avoid those relationships. Avoid doomsday relationships. In fact, it might just be good advice, period, whether you're on the path of endurance or not. If you can't influence them to come over to the, to the side of light and get out of the path of darkness, then you may want to find a different relationship. Can I get a witness today? Amen. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 says this. It says, Then the Lord God said... This is after he made Adam. He says, and the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I'm glad he did that. I like my helper. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I like the Holy Spirit, but I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about my wife, Kathy. I love my helper. I'm glad that God made someone that I can journey this life with. And when I'm on the path of endurance, I love the fact that she's on that path with me. Love it, love it, love it. You might say, wow, I wish my, my marriage could be like that. It can be. It can be. Your marriage can be just like that. Your marriage can be passionate. Your marriage can be encouraging. Your marriage can be hot. Your marriage can be awesome. And it should be. Should be, that's what God designed. And God looked at man and he said, man should not be alone. I'm going to make him a helper that's just right for him. 
And in verse 22, he says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God has designed me, and he's designed you for relationship. He's designed us for relationship. Everybody say, I'm designed for relationship. I don't care how bad you've been in the past at building strong relationships, you are designed for relationships. I don't care how many relationships you've blown up, obliterated, you are designed for relationships. I don't care how much you think you're better off alone, you're not, you're designed for relationships. The very nature of your being, your very created being, is designed for relationships. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Guys, can I tell you something? We need strong relationships in life. If your relationships are dragging you down, you need to find some new ones. One of the things that we find in working with uh, individuals who are trying to change a life habit, regardless of what it is, from the worst you might imagine to the easiest you might imagine, doesn't matter what it is, one of the things that we find is that relationships are key to their success. Having the right people in their life at the right time is key to their getting through that moment in life. We find it true if, it's, if you're trying to get physically fit, if you're trying to get back on the right spiritual track, if you're trying to just form better habits in your life, the people around you have a great influence on how you live your life, so it's important to choose strong relationships. Strong relationships. And the Bible tells us we're built for it and we need it. You know, there's very little else in life as frustrating as a bad relationship. The reality is this, is that your refrigerator can break down and it's inconvenient. But at the end of the day, you can find a way to keep food cold. Your washer and dryer might start, stop working and... It would be frustrating, but when you really come, it really comes down to it, you can find a way to get your clothes clean. Your TV might go on the fritz. It might be a blessing in disguise. And you're going to make it through the day. But let a relationship go sour, and life seems to come to a halt. You know, we don't spend hours on the phone talking to our friends about how mad we are that our TV broke. I just can't believe it did that to me. I mean, I was in the middle of a show and it just stopped working. Can you believe the gall, the audacity of my Vizio to do that to me? We don't, we don't do that. But let somebody say something wrong about us. Let us misinterpret something somebody says and we'll spend hours on the phone, on Facebook, in text messages, talking about it, complaining about it, worried about it. Why? Because relationships matter. Relationships matter. Everybody say that with me. Relationships matter. You didn't say that with enough gusto. You said it like you didn't believe it. Relationships matter. Come on, say it with me. Relationships matter. They do. Can I, can I encourage you today? You need strong, good relationships. In your, don't tell me you're a loner. I can get this done. No, that's a lie. It's a lie. You need people. You need people. After all. If you go to a restaurant and eat, you already need people. Somebody had to make the food. Somebody had to wash the dishes. We make a mistake when we think we can make it through life 
alone, especially when we're on a path of endurance, a path where we need encouragement. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 6, the Bible says this, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united, watch this now, as one. United as one. You know, in our marriage relationship, we're supposed to be united as one. And we have to fight for being united as one. I don't say, I don't mean fight as an argument. I'm talking about we got to go after it. We got to work at it. I'm going to talk about in a second what it's going to take. But if you're going to have a strong marriage, you're going to have to work at it. And you're not going to have to work to be right. You're going to have to work for the relationship to be right. You don't have to work just to have your opinion and get your way. Work to get the way. Work to come into agreement. Work to come into unity. Be one. The Bible says that the men, man and woman will come together and they will be one. If there's not unity in your home, I'll tell you right now, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's not my spouse's fault. It's my fault. Why? Because there's more I could do. I could come into unity better. And you might be thinking, you're wrong. You don't know my situation. What I'm saying is that instead of blaming other people, let's get ourselves into the relationship and bring unity to the table and work hard and do what it takes to be one. Are you seeing what I'm saying today? And so it's important for us to understand relationships take work. They take work. You got to put yourself out there. You know, it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon, especially among men. Men don't like to communicate. They don't, ladies are all like, yeah, welcome to the game, right? It's interesting to me how often you can reach out and not be reached back to. How often you can, you can uh, try to communicate, build relationship, and how difficult it really is. Guys, relationships take work, don't they? But if we're going to succeed in life, we have to have strong relationships. He goes on to say that you two united as one, so then they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. I love this. You look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 and Ruth chapter 1. And 1 Samuel 18, just go back and read it, talks about the relationship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David had a covenant friendship. Man, they loved each other. They were willing to die for each other. That's how much they loved being around each other. In Ruth chapter 1, we read about the relationship between Ruth and Naomi. And these ladies were just inseparable. They had a strong, strong relationship. They really cared deeply for each other. I want to encourage you today, it's possible. It's possible to have strong relationships. Strong, but it's going to take you and I making an effort in that relationship. We can't just sit back and wait for the other person to do all the changing, and once they get perfect, then things will be okay. No, we have to be willing to make the adjustments in our marriages, in our friendships, in our relationships at work. Strong relationships are a huge key to success. In Exodus chapter 17, we see an example of a really super cool relationship. I love this. We look in on the life of Moses. And now Moses was leading God's people. And they came across an enemy. 
and they were fighting a battle against an enemy. And in this battle that they were fighting, they started to lose the battle. They started to actually get beat up, and they were battling the Amalekites. And so they were coming against this nation, and, they, and God's people were beginning to lose the battle. They were, they were losing the war. And God commanded Moses to go and stand over top of the mountain. Well, let me read it to you here in, in verse 9. It says this. Uh, Moses commanded Joshua, choose men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Now imagine, here's Moses standing on a hill with the rod of God in his hand. And as long as he stood like this, God's people were winning the battle. The Bible says that whenever he got tired and had to drop his arms down. Now you might think, well, what's to get tired from that? Try it sometime. Remember we talked about forever? Yeah? Just stand for three minutes with your arms like this. And I promise you, you're going to start feeling it in your shoulders, in your back. You're going to begin to feel the pressure of trying to hold your arms up. And so Moses' arms got tired. The Bible says that when his arms fell, they began to lose the battle. But watch this now. In verse 12, it says this. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. Are you seeing this picture? Holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Watch what happened. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I wonder today how many people have failed on their endurance path because they didn't have strong relationships. How many people are laying on the side today? of the path of endurance because nobody's coming along to pick them up and say, come on, we'll carry you for a while. I've got you in this. I'm on the path with you, but I got some strength right now, and I'm going to give you that. Let me, let me carry you along right now on this path of endurance. You know, when you're enduring physical pain in your body, it can be tormenting. It is nonstop. It, it, can, it, just, it can almost depress you and just beat you down, just feeling pain. You know what you have to have in your life? Strong relationships. You have to have people who will call you up, come visit, pray with you, hold you up, encourage you, speak the word of God over your life, and get your spirit built back up so you can raise your arms again and the battle can be won. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? We look at Moses and we say, wow, it's Moses holding the rod that won the battle. But the reality is, it's Aaron and her under his arms that were causing God's people to win the battle. Church, we say it all the time at Family Life Church, we need each other. We need each other. And one of the reasons that we see weakness in the body of Christ is because we don't have strong relationships. We're human. We're going to go through times of weakness, but we shouldn't live in them. And they shouldn't defeat us. They shouldn't keep us down. And they shouldn't sidetrack us because we should be surrounded by people who will hold our arms up and help us get the victory in life. And can I tell you something? If you're saying to yourself, preach it, brother. I wish some people would come around me. Then you need to become an Aaron or a her. Don't just stand around and just say, I'm Moses. Somebody find me somewhere to sit and raise my arms up. What's wrong with you people? 
Somebody's got to be Aaron. Somebody's got to be her. Guess what? If we're all focused on lifting each other's arms, everybody's arms get lifted. And so when we build strong relationships, it helps us endure on this path. Great relationships lead to great victories. I want to give you very quickly three thoughts about building a strong relationship, building strong relationships. Just think of this. Just think of over and under, over and under. Three things that you can do to build a strong relationship over and under. First, you need to overvalue your friend's successes and undervalue their mistakes. A lot of times in life, we go the opposite direction. Somebody makes a state a mistake, and that's all we talk about. Just chatter on about the mistake. Can't believe they did that. Don't know why that happened. Didn't see that one coming. Wow, they're never going to make it out of that. This is just crazy. I can't believe they're going through. They, that was a huge mistake. They should have never done And we'll just go on and on and on and on about mistakes. But when somebody has a success, we'll be like, hey, good job. No, if you're going to have a strong relationship, you've got to learn to overvalue the success and undervalue the mistake. You've got to learn to say, look, I don't care what you've done. I still believe in you. I'm still here for you. Come here. Let me hold your arms up a second. Let's get some victory in here. You've got to overvalue the success and undervalue the mistakes. Secondly, you have to over-sacrifice for the relationship and under-expect from it. One of the things that causes relationships to go sour quickly is over-expectation of the relationship. We conjure up these things in our mind about how it's going to be. I'm going to come home to a four-course meal. The house is going to be exactly clean and just tidied up. There are going to be flowers on the table, and all the kids are going to be sitting around, dressed up in nice, neat outfits, waiting on Daddy to come home. And when I come in, there's going to be a small celebration about the fact that I finally made it home, and everybody's really excited. And you walk into all hell breaking loose, chaos in every room, nothing's in place, the dinner's not ready, there's a, frozen, there's a frozen dinner in the oven, but the oven's not on, and you've had a long, hard day, she's nowhere to be found, and the kids are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And then you get upset. Well, I just wish somebody would respect me around here. Really knew how hard I worked, they'd have some stuff done when I got home. We way overexpect. We're so catered to. You know, the reality is, guys, in American culture, we're big babies. It's just the reality. We have everything handed to us on a silver platter. Come on. We need to grow up a little bit. We, we, need, to underst we need to understand people need us. They need us to be strong. My family needs me to be a strong man and not come in expecting them to take care of everything for me. Come in expecting to love on them. Show them. How about if I bring flowers home? How about if I bring dinner home? How about if I come home and say, baby, you sit on the couch. I'm going to clean the whole house. Sorry, guys. Yeah, ladies, where were you on that one? Wow, you missed it. we got to over-sacrifice for the relationship, guys. If you're going to have a good friend, you're going to have to over-sacrifice for the friend and under-expect from it. Don't get mad when they don't pay you back for something that you did. They're your friend. They're your friend, not your slave. They're your friend. They're not your servant. They're your buddy. Come on. Over-sacrifice for the relationship and under-expect from it. I promise if both of you are doing that, it's going to be a strong, strong relationship.
Lastly, you got to over-listen and under-speak. Got to over-listen and under-speak. And I mean listen, not load up. Right? A lot of times in relationships when the other person was talking, we're just loading up. We're either going to respond to what they're saying or we've got our own ideas and theories and opinions and we can't wait because they're the right ones. The person gets done talking, you're like, what? I'll never forget being at a conference not too, not too uh, far in the distant past, talking to some leaders around the country, other pastors around the country, engaged in the conversation, excited to hear what some of these pastors have to say. And I'll never forget talking to one person in particular. And I knew as soon as I walked up to this person, this was not going to be an engaged conversation. I could just tell. And sure enough, I'm standing here talking to them, and they're doing this. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Wow. That's really, that's really cool. And as soon as they saw somebody that was more important than me, they were off. Anybody ever been there? Can I tell you something? That's not going to be a strong relationship. Now, you got to learn to listen in the relationship. The Bible says be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? We've got to over-listen and under-speak. So if you have a strong relationship, you've got to overvalue the success, undervalue the mistakes, You've got to over-sacrifice for the relationship and under-expect from it. You've got to over-listen, and you've got to under-speak. Because out of great relationships, that's what's going to keep you on the path of endurance. The second thing that you have to do on the path of endurance is you have to be determined. Everybody say, be determined. Yeah, it's cute, isn't it? Be determined, be, be determined. Be determined, be, be determined, right? Other ways that we could say this would be to stay, stay focused, don't give up, don't quit, keep going, keep your head up, suck it up, sorry mom, don't give in, keep fighting. Those are other ways that we could say be determined. And all of these other possibilities of what I want you to understand is that when we say things like stay focused, don't give up, don't quit, keep going, keep your head up, I won't say that one again, don't give in, and keep fighting, when we, when we say those things, those speak to positive action, but it's not necessarily determination. They won't have the same impact without determination. The word determined means this, resolute, decided, settled, and resolved. Now, the, the actions of, come on, don't give up, keep going, keep fighting, that's like shaking this bottle of water. It's going to stir the water up, but eventually the water's going to settle back down. You're going to get up and go, whoo, here we go, I got this, whoo, and you're going to give a 24-hour effort, and then you're going to fall flat on your face again. Effort alone is not enough to endure. If you're going to endure, you have to have determination. So it would be like adding determination to this water. So we'd add determination in there to the water, and then it would be like, then shaking that water up, and now you've got a permanent change. Do you see the difference? I dare you to separate that Kool-Aid from the water. It's not going to happen, is it? No, when you get determined, that's what gives value to your effort. Being settled, being decided, being resolved. This is the way it's going to be. I'm not giving up on this. I don't care if I have it right now or not. That's where I'm headed. I'm settled. I'm clear. It's not, that's, that is the only thing that's the only option for me is success. Determination. Everybody say determination. Many people are trying to shake themselves without being settled and decided, and it's just giving them a headache is all it's doing. It's just a whole lot of shaking, 
whole lot of effort, but it's without the heart of determination. See, determination is what's going to get you up when nobody else is getting up. It's what's going to keep you moving forward when it feels like you're alone on the path. And it's why a lot of people give up on the endurance path is because they can't see the end. This word determine, when you break it down, is determine. It means of the end result, of the end, day terminal of the end. And it has to do, it has to do with the cause or effect or direction. In other words, we see the end product. You know, we, you, can, you can grab a great big canvas and start painting, but it's not going to be nearly what it would be if you had a picture in your mind of what you were going to paint. We, we do a lot of activity in life and take a lot of action, but we need determination. We need to be settled. We need to decide and say, I have determined I'm going to live my life for Christ. And that determination is what will give power to your efforts. That's what will cause you to actually take the effort. Well, so when you shake yourself with determination, it's a whole different kind of shaking. A lot of people give up on the path of endurance because they can't see the end, but we only need to know what Philippians 1, 6 says. It says this, that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. Here's the good news, church. God's not given up. He's not given up on you. Not a day in your life has he stopped loving you. Not a day in your life has his plan dissolved. Not a day in your life has he lost sight and lost focus of what you can be and will be in him if you'll follow the path that he's directing for you and you don't give up. God's on your side. Do you know that? He is on your side. And so Hebrews 1 and 6 tells us he began it, he'll finish it. But you've got to get it settled in your heart. And Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He saw it in his eye. Jesus knew what the end result was going to be. And that picture he had of the end result settled it in his heart. There's no other path. There's no other way. There will be no other outcome in my life but this. I've settled. This is what I'm going to do. And the Bible says that that picture caused him to be able to do what? Endure the cross. Everybody say endure. What did he do? He despised the shame and now he's set right at the right hand of God. On the throne. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, this is what the Bible says And see, now I go, beyond, go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, Paul says. None of these things move me. I'm determined, I'm of the end product, I am settled. I am resolute, I am determined, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. What did Paul find in this moment? He knew that where he was going was going to be difficult, but he knew why. He knew the reason it was going to be difficult is because he was carrying the message of Jesus Christ and he determined, he said, I'm settled. Those things don't matter to me. What matters to me 
is the end product of getting the gospel out to this world. And when you get determined and you get settled, you can endure the path that you're on. I love what David said in Psalm 27 and 11. He says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. He says this, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had gotten settled on this fact. Unless I had gotten resolved on this reality. Unless I had gotten determined that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the land of the living. David said, I would have given up. Had it not been for the fact that I could see myself succeeding. That I could see myself healed. That I could see myself prospering. That I could see myself free. That I could see myself full of courage. If it had not been for the fact that I got it settled in my heart, this is the way it's going to be, and I got determined, I would have given up. I wonder today, is there anybody at Family Life Church that's determined to do what God has called them to do, that's settled in your heart? This is the way it's going to be. For my, It might not be that today, but it is going to be this way. It's settled in my heart, and I'm determined. That determination is going to help you endure. Endure the path. In verse 14, he goes on to say, watch what David said now. He said, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Woo, that's good news. Don't give up. Don't quit. Get determined. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And then he says it again. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sounds like what we read in Hebrews chapter 10, doesn't it? What you need now is patient endurance. Stay on the path. I love what the, uh, another translation of Psalm 27, chapter 27, 14 says this. Wait and hope and expect. Wait and hope for and expect. Not wait as in let's see if. That's not what David was saying. He's a, he wasn't saying wait to see if God strengthens you. No, he said wait and expect God is going to strengthen you. What does that look like? If you're waiting, if your language sounds like this, well, I'm not sure, but maybe. But when you expect, you say, it's coming. It's coming. My strength is coming. Everybody say it. My strength is coming. Listen, you may not feel it right now in your life. I want you to stand with me. You may not feel it in your life right now. You may not see it in your home. You may not see it in your ministry, but I promise you this. If you'll stay on the path of endurance, if you'll build strong relationships in your life, if you'll use the over and under, if you'll overvalue and undervalue mistakes, if you'll learn to build strong relationships, if you'll get determined, I know that you're going to begin to see the hand of God strengthen your life like never before. That thing you've been believing for is going to come to pass it's good because people are going to lift your arms up. They're going to lift you up. They're going to hold you up, and you're going to get victory in your life. You're going to begin to see that those things fall away from you. You're going to begin to see that failures become a thing of the past. doesn't mean you won't fail again, but you won't linger in the failure. You're going to find yourself on the phone talking about successes and not the bad times. You're going to find yourself succeeding in life. Why? Because you're enduring on this path. We trust that today's message has been an encouragement to you. If you have any questions, 
or would like more information about Family Life Church, visit us on the web at www.yourfamilylife.org.